to this ground up. What is the role and function of a board? One of the key functions of company boards has historically been to balance risk against the ability to generate revenue and profit. Everything has risk and risks are inevitable. It is the ability to take risk that gives individuals and entities across nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia, in short referred to as NGIOA, the possibility of progress and advancement. Now, irrespective of industries, progress and advancement is all about risk taking. But when risk transcends initiatives, businesses, industries, borders, cultures, nations, societies, and human existence, Taking timely and relevant risk initiatives is a necessary forward-looking move. Cyberspace has brought complex, chaotic, and challenging time for each entity, each business, large and small, public or private, in cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short referred to as CGS. Now, as cyberspace is deeply embedded across each component of a nation, that is its government industries, organizations, and academia, its crowded interconnections have caught everyone off guard. Cyber breaches are seemingly becoming a new norm and cybersecurity is no longer an IT problem. The digital global age has made cybersecurity everyone's problems. Now when cybersecurity has become everyone's problems, the board needs to begin by understanding what exactly is a cybersecurity risk how does it change their current role and responsibilities from information security, network security, data security to strategic security? Understanding and expertise around security risk is now becoming an absolute survival necessity, even for boards. Boards are beginning to understand that cybercrime and cybersecurity risk, being tactical or strategic, is a risk management issue that affects not only today of the entire organization, but also the coming tomorrow. While keeping up with the complex, rapidly evolving risk from cyberspace, geospace, and space is a complex challenge. Understanding what is at risk is even a bigger challenge. To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Thomas Bennett, who is on the board of several corporations, who is also an executive chairman, CEO mentor, and an incubator venture capitalist. Welcome, Thomas. We are delighted to have you on this roundup. Thank you for having me here, Jayshree. It's a pleasure. Wonderful, Thomas. Now, let me begin by asking you a very fundamental question. How does the board define risk in the context of cyberspace and cybersecurity? Well, I'll, I'll be happy to answer the question. I want to start with something else, which is if your, your audience, uh, this is a topic that we could take any one of the questions we're going to talk about today and spend an hour on it. But, but I want your audience to come away with basically three takeaways. Um, one of them is the board as a whole cares deeply about cybersecurity. It's, a, it's, it's recognized as an issue by some 80% of all board directors. Um, the problem is the landscape, just as you've talked about, has shifted beneath everyone's feet. And it's not just the interconnectedness, it's purely the technologies themselves uh, are going to fundamentally change over the next five to 10 years. So what cybersecurity is today could be something completely different five years from now. Um, 
And I think that the only way that a company will engage at the level that you're talking about, which is this global spectrum of nations, government, industries, organizations, and academia, is from the top down. And it needs to come from the board level, at least from a start. Uh, the, the executives are running the business. The board is there to, to help and uh, um, not only with day-to-day -day running of the business, but also looking down the road for things that the, the company has to deal with over time. And I think you're going to see a couple of different things. I think you're going to see much different levels of board engagement, um, people looking for fires ahead of time like this, uh, redefining what their board compositions are in response, and uh, you know, becoming uh, a little bit more operational than independent. So um, those three takeaways I'll come back to constantly during this discussion. Um, but in terms of how how boards see risk? Well, I would address that just basically in the context of what a board's role is, right? They've got a fiduciary responsibility for uh, the shareholder value, um, the legal risks that a company uh, can get entangled in, and then the strategic risk. Um, shareholder value can be loss of revenue. It can be brand erosion. It can be the stock price dropping. Uh, legal risk can be getting sued. Uh, loss of trust because of a lawsuit or some scandal that get the company gets involved in. And then strategic risk is, you know, losing a competitive edge, getting your secrets stolen by a competitor, uh, or just losing an opportunity by not being ahead of the curve. So that's how boards tend to define risk. Yes. Now, in the, so uh, let me summarize this. So basically the context, in, in the context of cyberspace, Cybersecurity risks are those risks that arise from the potential of losing the value of the current as well as strategic initiatives, like you just said about strategic you know, risk yes. events and relationships. It could range from current and strategic industries, businesses, technology, information and communication, and so on. It is a measure of the extent to which an entity within any a nation is threatened by the potential changes often due to cyberspace. Absolutely. Yes, because this is what we are talking about, right? cyberspace and cybersecurity. And it's typically a function of the adverse effect that would arise from the loss of confidentiality, security, stability, safety, necessity, value, or availability of the current entities, events, and relationships of any component of an NGIO in CGS and the likelihood of the adver potential adverse impact to the current and strategic operations of respective engineers because cyberspace is changing everything. So let's put to the other How does the board currently define security? What do they think security mean to them? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And, and you're right to make a nuanced difference between how they view risk and how they view security. Um, I'll go back to what, you know, let's go back to, to the high level, you know, what are the what are the, the duties of a board? Well, they've got a uh, responsibility to oversee the, the strategy and monitor the performance of an organization. Uh, they've also got a fiduciary duty to the shareholders. Um, so along those lines, when they, they look at security, they think about the results of the risk being violated. So if you go to any board and you say, well, what do, why do you have cybersecurity at all? And it's, well, I don't want to be sued like Target or Wyndham Worldwide 
um, target for technology they had, uh, Wyndham for technology they didn't have. Uh, I don't want to have a data breach happen because that's the one that makes the big headlines and makes everybody look bad. Um, I don't want to have the continuity of my business disrupted. Uh, I don't want to lose the intellectual property that I've spent so much time building up and spent so much money on. Now, an interesting dynamic of that is you, you'd think that a data breach would cause a company's stock price to go down. It actually doesn't. Harvard Business Review did a great analysis of that, and they figured out it was probably at most a 10% drop that was recovered within a couple of months. Um, but that's not really the way to look at value. I think you're looking at the, uh, at the erosion of stock price over time. And uh, while you may recover from one incident quickly, multiple incidents, even incidents that your, your competitors get into are gonna erode your value as well. Yes, no, I, I hear you on that. And the challenge is that even if the stock price recovers quickly, there is a lot more that has already got impacted. There, you know, intellectual property could have got stolen. Their information, their business, you know, uh, business plans. A lot of things could have uh, got stolen, and that would, you know, in a longer term, impact them. Their competitive edge would disappear. So, we at Risk Group, we define security as the state of entities across NGIOA in cyberspace, geospace, or space. Mm -hmm. being free from danger or threat of cyberspace. That's how we have redefined security. Because for much of human history, the concept of security was largely revolved around the use of force and territorial integrity. That definition is no longer accurate in cyberspace and especially digital global age because mm -hmm. we are not at risk you know, of uh, those kind of you know, territorial challenges. Uh, as the conventional threat of attack or on our geographical territory by a hostile power that is becoming less and less mm -hmm. but we are more vulnerable to many other kinds of attacks in cyberspace and as we are seeing cyber espionage all kinds of cyber crimes and because of cyberspace in geospace and space that you know because of the interconnectedness the computer code connected computers that anything that we have developed, any infrastructure that we have developed in geospace is a threat because of you know cyberspace. Any hacker could you know impact our energy infrastructure or our transportation infrastructure just sitting in any part of the world. So this has changed fundamentally how we look at security, security framework and infrastructure. So security is basically the state of being protected or safe from harm, the things that are done to make people, places, industries all safe. And while there is a fine line between security, stability, and safety, the emergence of the digital global age has resulted in evolution of the definition and model of security that is primarily based on the integration, interconnectedness, and interdependence and cooperation between, within and across the boundaries of the nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia. So we feel that the fundamental you know, definition and uh, everything around security has evolved, it has changed. So while now, let's go to other point, where the traditional notion is that security is a government affair, the digital global age has made security an NGIOA affair. No longer we can say that, okay, let's you know have government worry about security. We don't need to worry about it because it's government's job. Each individual or an entity within any component of a nation 
has a role to play in uh, ensuring security now. So irrespective of cyber terrorism, cyber espionage, information security, data security, any kind of security challenges facing a nation, the security risk now, according to me, has and risk group, of course, is facing very critical interdependencies that blurs the boundaries of CGS and NGIOA. So my question to you, Thomas, is does the board recognize that while entities may think that it does not impact their bottom line, each risk that has interdependencies and interconnectedness does impact each and every component of an NGIOA? Oh, absolutely. And, and let me start off with a uh, probably a controversial statement about what you just said. Uh, I don't think there's an enterprise, especially a Fortune 1000 one, uh, not a single one that believes that security is a government issue. Uh, they all believe that they're on their own. And none of them, none of the boards I'm on, uh, none of the companies that I've talked to at a strategic level about cybersecurity believe that the government is going to protect them. Uh, they believe they have to do it on their own. Um, having said that, your notion is absolutely correct. Everything is interconnected. and. Uh, there's a couple of things that I could that I'll bring up as visuals to to uh, to put some color on that. But I'll also share with you. Even in my own background, I've had uh, um, federal system integrator experience where we did work with the Department of Defense and the military. And if there's ever an example of interconnectedness and the ability of one domino falling knocking down all the other ones, it's it's in cyber warfare and even uh, traditional warfare, all of which are now supported by uh, internet technologies. So uh, I believe uh, I, absolutely without question that at a federal level, that's a, that's a huge issue that they deal with every day. I think the enterprise is now figuring out that it's gonna touch them. The second point I'll talk about, which is very germane to, to what you brought up, which is companies are now starting to realize that it may not be just them that's getting hacked, that's going to expose them to liability. Um, a very common uh, attack vector is to use a part of a supply chain to get to a larger entity. So while this small company that does a certain part of the logistics, they're thinking, well, if I get hacked, it's not a big deal. I'm a small company. Well, if the hacker is going through you to get to UPS or to get to Caterpillar, or something like that, you can become liable for being that stepping stone. So I believe people definitely understand that component. I just gave a, um, a presentation to the National Association of Corporate Directors about this very topic in Chicago, and uh, people were very much aware of, of the stepping stone phenomenon. Um, however, they weren't a year ago. So this is kind of a recent uh, philosophy that people are adopting, so I'd agree with that. And then the last thing I would talk about is just to, uh, to maybe give some visuals that might be interesting. Uh, I'll bring up a couple of uh, um, I think I can get this. Uh, so let's look at a couple different things. And I don't know if you can see this visual on the screen right now, yes, but, uh, but this is how people are looking at cybersecurity now. Now, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of cool factor involved in some of the graphics, but definitely large security vendors are selling on the notion that this is an interconnected world. 
and that you absolutely have to respond as if every entity was connected to every other entity. So this is, uh, this is something that everybody knows about. I was with a previous company where we did this stuff, but it was more for the, the government, so we didn't show stuff like this. But, uh, but now this has become an enterprise software technology and a philosophy. So I'm 100% with you on that. The things that more resonated with the corporate directors that I spoke to in Chicago were a couple of other things. Um, the notion of the smart city is a way to get corporate directors to start thinking is in terms of the NG IAO philosophy, which is you're never alone. You're always connected to something else. And this is something that you don't have to be technical to understand. I can not be an engineer, but I can understand what this means. If my transportation system is connected to my house, connected to the wind farm, connected to uh, a solar facility, and connected to a transportation system. All these things are linked together. This is sort of the tangible thing that gets directors thinking, wow, you're right. Um, the other component of it is, and this is a little bit more technical, is I show them a graphic which basically says, look at the cyber threat landscape relative to where it, it used to be five years ago. You know, It used to be all about perimeter defense, then it was about uh, defense on the network, and then it was about defense on the endpoint, and all of a sudden it's not just your company, it's the entire infrastructure that you have to protect. So the responsibility of the board has changed, the, of the board looking at cybersecurity has changed dramatically. And all three of these different levels, the infrastructure itself, the notion that everything is connected even at a, a city, state, nation level, and the fact that threats are visualized and sold at a global level is absolutely paramount. I think boards get this. Great, wonderful. I would like to know that understanding that you know everything is interconnected. That is a really good sign. So let me ask you, Thomas, that how does board currently evaluate cybersecurity risk from a company or corporation or business perspective? How do they evaluate when they get the information? I'm uh, just trying to quit the screen sharing. Hold on. Okay. Uh, okay, you can see me now. Yes. So, uh, so how are they calibrating the risk? How are they evaluating. How evaluating. Are they evaluating. Once they know that these are certain risks coming their way, how are they evaluating? What is their method and approach? Well, uh, I think they look at it a couple different ways. Um, I'll give some statistics to start, which are pretty interesting. As I mentioned before, 80% of, of board members consider cybersecurity to be a high priority. Um, oddly enough, 50% feel they don't know enough to be effective. Um, only 20% feel like cybersecurity is under control. Only 14% feel like they're actively involved. And even in the Fortune 500, less than 10% of companies have a technical audit and risk committee. So I use that as a preface to say, well, how do people evaluate security and solutions from a, from a corporate standpoint? Uh, again, they sort of, they, they tend to be, at this point in time, very, very narrowly focused on the things that are tangible and the things that keep them out of the press. Um, what they do try and do is act in conjunction with the management team. Uh, the board is not a replacement for the CISO. 
the board is not a replacement for the, the CEO. Um, what they do try and do is be very engaged at a solutions level because they've got a level of abstraction. So the, the board member can sit back and say, well, that's great. You've just shown me this fantastic platform that you guys spent $3 million on. What are you doing about your people? And that's sometimes where you get a blank stare and they're like, well, okay, what do you mean your people? And I, and I uh, recently spoke with the, uh, the, C, the CSO of a, uh, one of the top three energy and gas providers. And his belief is that if you don't, institution, you don't institutionalize the knowledge gained from cybersecurity threats and incidents, then you're not doing anything. And so every incident that takes place or every new thing they learn they then go out and they train their workforce to be a defense against it. So I think you'll also see a lot of that change too in, in terms of people saying, you know, there's technology, but why can't my people be defenders as well? Yes, of course. And they all need to begin by understanding each business is asset in cyberspace, geospace and space. Irrespective of what industry they are, you know, uh, on the board or whichever entity they are on board of uh, irrespective of what part of the industry they need to know what are those assets in terms of people resources property and information that they are trying to protect now a threat from the cyberspace is what everyone is trying to protect against and can be anything that can exploit a vulnerability intentionally or accidentally and obtain damage or destroy any asset in cgs that means cyberspace geospace and space and also vulnerability, there is a weakness or gaps in a security program that can be exploited by threats from the cyberspace to any asset in the CGS. So board needs to understand that it is not only the unauthorized access to information that is at stake in the cyberspace, there is much more at stake. So coming back to cyber security or cyberspace risk, the potential for loss, damage or destruction of a company's assets as a result of a threat brought on by the cyberspace and cyber technologies is very real today. Now, when cybersecurity risks are the intersection of NGIO assets, threats and vulnerabilities in CGS, if we don't understand the difference brought on by the cyberspace, board will never understand the true risk to their company's assets. So this is very, very, you know, complex and very challenging and there needs to be understanding and acknowledgement about so many different you know, variables and aspects. Now, the computer code, the connected computers, and the ecosystem that makes the cyberspace brings complex challenges and complexities to everyone and to everything as we have been talking from cyberspace, geospace, to space. Now, this tectonic shift on the nature of risk brought on by the cyberspace and due to cyberspace in geospace and space are creating very complex challenges for each and every entity. Now, due to cyberspace, the nature of risks are evolving, not only cyberspace, but also geospace and space. What would you tell the companies on whose boards you sit as to the complexity of risk they are facing today due to cyberspace? Well, that's a great question. First of all, I'll start by saying, uh, regardless of whether it's certain or uncertain, uh, the board tends to have a certain way of looking at how to deal with issues like this. Um, the first thing they do is they is they prioritize their assets. So certain or uncertain, or uncertain, what are the assets within our organization that put us most at risk? The second is they try and understand what the legal or financial risk is from some sort of compromise happening to those assets. Um, third, 
they try and get a handle on what the third party risk is, whether it's people in your own supply chain migrating risk up to you or you migrating risk up to somebody else. Um, then they evaluate, are there ways to mitigate or transfer risk using other mechanisms that can be offloading technology to a third party or it can be getting cyber insurance. Um, and fourth is just anticipating change. And that's the uncertainty that you're talking about. And I think, again, that's what, I think that's where, where you know, I'm one of the old guys in the industry, right? And, and I think the reason why I bring value to the boards I sit on is there isn't a lot I haven't seen. And that's kind of the value of having people who have had to anticipate change over decades and never being complacent with what you have. So um, I think the key is making it tangible for companies. So what does that uncertainty mean to me? For example, if I'm in the uh, I'm in the shipping industry, you know, what does that mean to me? Well, there's things about logistics. There's things about big data. Um, there's things about things that are happening in, in satellite communications that are going to fundamentally change the way a shipping company operates. And I think, as a board member, because you're abstracted from the day-to-day -day business, and therefore your mind isn't full of all the things that are going to get you through till tomorrow, you can afford to sit back and say, "Well, look, I've." got peers here who know about this. I've got third parties we can bring in who are very specialized around this to help deal with some of that uncertainty. But I think grounding it in the company's business is the easiest way to, to make uncertainty a little more real. Right. Now, now in continuation of what we've been discussing about interconnectedness and interdependencies, one point, you know, is very critical. I see that there is a challenge you know, facing everyone across industries is that Today's enti entities, enterprises, or organizations, or corporations, in whatever term we want to say, across nations, they largely operate in silo as individual and independent entities. Absolutely. Silo operations of isolation age that are in existence across nations today have very little or no understanding of how they are interconnected to each other, to how they are interdependent on each other, nor do they understand how they affect each other within and across nations. This silo existence of entities across nations ignores its internal and external interconnectedness and interdependency. So this collective ignorance denies entities a fundamental ability to understand how each individual risk as well as decision of each individual entity impacts them all within and across you know, their corporate boundaries. Now you just said that there is an acknowledgement and acceptance that you know, everyone thinks that you know, every, everything is interconnected. But in how it is interconnected and all that, there's still not you know, clear understanding. I don't see that you know, across you know, uh, most of the entities. So does the board recognize this as a critical security risk? facing them today in a digital global age that they are not aware of what kind of interconnectedness variable, the risk variables are coming to them that they should be you know, prepared for. Yeah, so I would, I would push back a little bit. I think, again, I think boards are very aware of this. Um, and I, I think it's, but, but let me give you a, an analogy. Um, I have an eight-year-old son. Uh, I tell him to go clean his room and uh, he closes the door. So if he can't see inside the room, then as far as he's concerned, the room is clean. Um, and I think there's a, a lot of that going on in, in not just boards, but companies right now, where they kind of know, but they're almost afraid to open that door. 
Now, if I open the door to this, you know, to, to certain levels of interconnectedness and vulnerability, then I'm going to have to go down that path. So I think uh, um, there have been some shifts in technology which make this an untenable position. And, and the, the three things that I think are really driving that are, um, one of them is the Internet of Things. And I include the industrial internet specifically, as well as the internet of things, which is you know watches, retail beacons, um, uh, consumer devices, refrigerators that are connected and things like that. Um, the second is big data analytics. Uh, pipes that used to be closed before simply can't be closed anymore because the business needs the data. And I talked to a, uh, 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 an electrical provider, uh, electricity provider, part of the grid, who said that uh, you know their their particular company wasn't doing that well and they were they were laying some people off, but they tripled the budget for their security division because the business units said we need all the data you can get because we're in a very competitive market. I don't care how you do it, but do it securely. So spend as much as you can. So that's a very healthy way that companies are starting to look at it. Um, the third is artificial intelligence and machine learning. And the reason that is is because, <clears throat> you know, where things typically are in control of the people running uh, the interconnected systems, when machines start talking to each other and learning from each other, when you start getting learning taking place at a, a network, a cloud, a global level, all of a sudden, you've either, you're either going to participate in that and benefit from it, or you're gonna say, no, it's too scary for me, and eventually you're gonna lose. <clears throat> so I think those things are really driving people to understand that these notions about integrate, integration, collaboration, interconnectedness are just something that they can't ignore any longer. And it's not just a matter of their own network, their own supply chain, it's, it's everything. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, while many corporations are actively focusing on different tactical components of a cybersecurity risk portfolio like information security risk or data security or network security, the much needed focus on strategic security is brought on due to cyberspace, which consists probably you know more than 70% of the overall risk portfolio is non-existence in you know, my assessment. Understanding the strategic security risk due to the changing digital global fundamentals, rapid technological changes and fundamental changes in different service models, global competition, and lack of effective governance is a vital necessity for every nation. Now, is there any effort by board to understand what kind of innovations will disrupt the businesses that they are, you know, uh, running or they are on the board for? Or which, what kind of, you know, innovations will be coming from what part of the world? What, what kind of product services, you know, will be coming that would displace the need for their product services? Where would these innovations come from? When is there any effort to understand strategic security risk? Because when I hear cyber security risk, it basically means information security risk. Mm -hmm. That is pretty much the effort everyone puts in that we have cybersecurity initiative, we have a cybersecurity framework, and when we look at it, all it says is information security. There is no effort to understand what are the innovations happening within the industry or you know outside the industry that will impact what their current business initiatives are for example i was talking to a startup yesterday in the artificial intelligence field and they have developed a technology that is uh, 
bringing digital disruption in the financial services market it is going to wipe out all the you know research analyst jobs there is so much happening so somebody needs to look at these kind of changes what are the innovations happening where are they coming from how is it going to impact what we have right now that's a great question, and I'll uh, um, because of where I sit and and the the sort of near term experiences that I have on on boards, I have a different view. I actually believe again that companies are more up to speed on it. I, I think they get it. I, I don't think it's a matter of ignorance. I don't think it's a matter of uh, of uh, not wanting to address it. I think it's just how do they do it most effectively? And let me talk about three different ways that companies are starting to edge into exactly what you're talking about. Um, first of all, companies have started to make this a board level expertise. If you look at just a couple of companies out there, uh, Wells Fargo, Home Depot, Union Pacific, you know, railroad company, um, they've all hired recently board members who come directly out of a cyber security background. So uh, I, I, I'm probably going to get these wrong, but I believe uh, Jane Lute, who used to be with the DHS and was with the Cybersecurity Council for the President, was hired by Union Pacific. Um, Suzanne Vatrano, who was uh, ran the DOD U.S. Cyber Command, um, I believe was was based on the board of Wells Fargo and Home Depot. Um, so I think people definitely get it and they're starting to edge into, boy, we've really got to take a top-down approach to this and, and really get an understanding of it. Um, in terms of within the company, embracing strategy, um, I think you've got companies who used to rely on just the CISO or the CIO. And many of them are realizing now that they need a chief strategy officer. Now that's something entirely different in my mind, although you'll see the, the, the acronyms mixed up, but who's responsible for our strategy? And that includes strategic cybersecurity thinking, not just how we're protecting information, not just how we're protecting data, but what is our strategy for moving forward? And the third way, um, I've been approached uh, by a couple of public companies about doing a, an outside corporate venture group for them because they realize that internally, they don't have the innovation and the skill sets necessary to invest in some of these longer term technologies that will position them for five to 10 years from now. And if you look at the growth of corporate venture capital groups, it's exploded. I think 126 new corporate venture groups have been established in 2016 alone. Liberty Mutual, an insurance company, has a corporate venture group. Kellogg, a cereal company, has a corporate venture group. Why does, corp why does Kellogg care about cybersecurity? Well, now sensors are going to be in everything and, and, and food waste and spoilage and liabilities and lawsuits and hijackings and things like that are going to be all part of their cybersecurity infrastructure. So I think they're really starting to address it from a strategic standpoint. It's a slow process. Um, I, I, I think the other element of that is People are starting, starting to finally realize that board composition has to change. And you've got to find people that are appropriate, not just for now, but for five to 10 years from now. Yes, so it seems. So it seems, and that's really good news. It's welcoming. And so it looks like, you know, their uh, individual entities or individual corporations would probably depend on these kind of venture groups to Absolutely. guide them, to guide them, you know, where the innovations are going, because they will be keeping an eye on that. 
That is a smart strategy. Now, there is a growing concern that there are many entities across NTIOA that seems to be too weak or too failed to be able to provide with the necessary security in the cyberspace. Now, more or most of the businesses or corporations with the current governance and management model are far from being ideal providers of cybersecurity. Now, technology and threats are forever intricately linked now, just like people and processes. Now, even if we are many as an entity, if I am managing all my risk, you know, perfectly, but if the entities that are connected to me that are working with me that has you know crossover boundaries and uh, we are using each other's you know infrastructure in some way if they are not managing that those risks are their vulnerabilities are going to make my entity vulnerable Absolutely. so how are boards planning to manage these kind of vulnerabilities arising out of the interconnected securities so there's there's a couple different ways that companies handle it um if you look at the federal level, uh, companies that do business on the DIB, the defense industrial backbone, um, suppliers, vendors, and people like that are subject to a set of, of restrictions and requirements that they need to adhere to, to be part of the DIB. Um, from an enterprise standpoint, it's typically uh, dealt with more as an individual thing, which is, hey, if you're gonna do business with us, you've gotta use these certain technologies, you've gotta use encryption at these levels, you've gotta have, uh, um, single sign-on, you've got to have uh, uh, um, a data theft protection program, um, all these different things, if you're going to do business with us. I think what would be probably more interesting is if there was a broader framework that people could lay down where they're not inventing it from scratch every single time. And I know that when you, Jayshree, you think about it from your standpoint and, and the NG framework, you're thinking of that, right? Which is, what is this framework for cybersecurity that takes some of the guesswork and the uncertainty out of that process. And I think that's something that people would love to have. I don't want to build it from scratch. Why can't I leverage the expertise of the global world to secure my assets and everyone connected to me? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. That is the right way to go. And now that also brings, you know, another uh, point is about the liability of the, you know, cybersecurity risk that each one of us faces. Now, as a corporation, I could be, you know, managing all my independent risk uh, effectively, but the interdependent, interconnected risk, I cannot manage on my own because it's not within my, you know, power to be able to manage those risks. So who is going to be liable for those, you know, interconnected, interdependent risks? And how can, you know, I insure myself? How can I... Uh, by you know cyber liability insurance how is this structure going to be because there are on one side independent risks which you know we have a capability to manage and at this point you know even the insurance industry for even the independent risk they have you know a lot of policies by which you can transfer the risk and my you know uh, take on that is that for any risk that as an entity if i am in a position to manage i should not be allowed to you know, purchase a policy for that. Mm -hmm. I should be able to manage those risks because if you just keep buying insurance policies and transferring your, you know, responsibility to others, then those risks just keeps getting better and bigger and bigger. And in the end, you know, we all have to suffer because of that. So that is one thing I firmly believe that as a, an entity, if I have independent risk, you know, that is within my power to manage, I should not be allowed to have any policies for that. 
but for interconnected groups or interdependent places, there should be a structure to which you know uh, insurance policy should be available. And I feel that insurance industry can play a very effective role in ensuring number one is that each and every entity has an effective risk management framework, and number two that they will make sure that independent risk. No, you know, insurance company would be offering policies for independent risk that could be managed effectively by any corporation. And number two, and number three is that for any interconnected risk that is not within any corporation's boundaries, that there should be policies available and there should be a framework and a structure for by which we can uh, manage those kind of interconnected risks. But I don't see that, you know, that kind of effort. I wrote a white paper on this, that how can we manage this? I mean, we all talk about independent risk, interconnected risk, interdependent risk, but how do we manage that? And I studied all the frameworks that are out there, even the NIST framework. They're talking about the public-private should work together, but how? Just by saying that you work together, we are not going to be able to solve all this. I feel that we have the technology, we have the thought leadership. Blockchain is an amazing technology. If we build effective, let's say for example, I'm again, I'm not trying to promote my framework. This is just an example. If someone else comes up with an effective framework, I'm, I will be happy to promote their framework too. Mm -hmm. So I feel that if, if we base, based on a blockchain technology, if we use the blockchain and develop these, you know, kind of NGO, kind of risk management framework, then we can very effectively manage each and every risk. We will be able to manage, you know, more all the independent risk and most of the interconnected interdependent risk. And thereby we will be able to bring security within and across nation's boundaries. And if security is there, you know, we will be able to go forward towards these initiatives. Mm -hmm. So there is a possibility, there is a potential, everything is there. We just need a will to, you know, go forward with that. Mm -hmm. Well, let me comment on that. First of all, I love blockchain. I, I know I've, I've done a lot of research into it and I love it. Um, it's five years away though, in terms of any sort of implementation outside of digital currency but it is a wonderful technology. So that brings me to another point, which is, you know, boards have to look at prioritization and they have to look at uh, um, execution as well as strategy. So uh, go back to insurance for a second. There's always going to be some sort of very legitimate risk transfer in organizations, whether it's, whether it's internal or interconnected. Um, companies are gonna prioritize, they're gonna figure out what they can do, Resources are not, resources are finite, people are finite, money's finite. So they make decisions about how to uh, internalize risk or externalize it and transfer it to somebody else. So it may or may not be fair to say you can only ensure interconnected risk. Sometimes internal risks are perfectly valid to be transferred to someone else because it's just more efficient. A, a board has a fiduciary responsibility for efficient execution of the company. So decisions like that will get made. Um, they do, now having said that, they do tend to be very focused on material things, which is I want to be, I want to be compensated for any business losses that happen as a result of a breach. Um, any business town that, downtown that I have. Um, for the money it's going to take for me to investigate and 
find out how it happened and recover from it. I want to be compensated for that. So the insurance is still looked at from a, a tactical standpoint and not a strategic standpoint. Um, I'm 100% with you that things like blockchain have to be looked at. You know, I at, when I talked to the group in Chicago, 250 corporate directors in a room, and I said, how many of you people know what blockchain is? And, you know, four people raised their hands. So that's a huge gap. And it goes back to, I'll, I'll, I'll look at something real quick and I'll go back to it if I can, uh, if I can do screen share without losing you again. But um, uh, let's see. Let me just do this. You'll, you'll, I think you'll unfortunately see all of my screen, but I'll see if I can blow this up. Um, I think we need to work on the technology to make this. Yeah, just, yeah. just to get a presentation done. Remember this gap that we're talking about here. This is very much a reality. This is this is research that, you know that's that's three months old. Um, there's no question, you know. Cybersecurity is third behind uh, the geopolitical, global geopolitical economy and the regulatory environment as their priorities. Um, but you go down this list and you get down to, you know, just people aren't executing against it. So the ability of boards to start doing a top-down enforcement of something like blockchain is kind of low right now. And I, I, I am a, in agreement with you that it will change. And I believe you'll find people like the people that, you know, Union Pacific and Wells Fargo, they hired a, a cyber savvy board director who's going to start telling them, look, blockchain isn't this big, scary thing. It's distributed ledger. That's all it is. And get people to embrace that and make them comfortable with it. I think then that they're going to become much more effective. Um, you also bring up something else, which is uh, there's definitely going to be a shift in how boards are engaged with their executive teams. Um, this is absolutely part of what you're talking about here, which is uh, this is from uh, the Boston Consulting Group. And I would actually encourage anyone who's looking at this call and even yourself to, to download the paper that they did on this, which is about redefining board engagement. Um, but boards are going to start to be looking for smoke under the door and looking for things like this that are going to take everyone by surprise. And they go through kind of a, here's how we see the board engagement changing, and here's how to, you know, to look to the future and spot things coming under the door. I think uh, things like uh, coming under the door can be dangerous and they can be opportunities. And I think blockchain is one of those things where people really have to understand how blockchain, quantum computing, Things that Google are looking at, are looking at right now that just should scare everybody to death in terms of how it's going to redefine just the technology and cybersecurity landscape. Hundred percent agreement. Yes, absolutely. I I see it uh, that it will bring uh, effectiveness. Yeah. It will bring accountability, and it will you know that itself is such a big thing that you know each and every person who will be part of that blockchain. We need to be accountable. They won't be able to transfer their risk. So I am looking forward to that. In fact, yeah. I'm thinking very seriously about you know uh, going forward on this initiative. If I get the right support, 
and right you know uh, cooperation collaboration that you know this is something that we can develop together that would be the single biggest you know legacy we can leave behind by putting together a framework a structure by which to manage you know risk effectively that could be a you know uh, something worthwhile you know to go forward with but let's let's go ahead and talk about uh, board composition of board itself i mean so, as we know that some companies some corporations have one single person who is technology literate to manage the cyber security risk on their board and some boards you know are looking forward to having all of their board you know directors to have an understanding about cyber security risk but each of the corporation very slowly regardless of how board structure themselves around cyber security risk how does board set expectations for cyber security risk management at this point what what is their approach how are they you know going forward with this cyber security risk so that's a great question. I, I don't want to, uh, I'll talk for a second and then I'll bring up a couple of images that I think uh, the viewers would be interested in looking at. But uh, um, in terms of, uh, you know, let, let's just talk about the board's role. And I, and I think, boy, I'd love it if every board out there already had one person invested in cybersecurity. They don't, most of them don't have anybody. Um, this is not to say that boards aren't smart. The, the, all the board directors I've met have been some of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, and they actually have people that are, are smart enough to kind of figure out the basics. Um, but without the formal training, without having been hit over the head with it for decades, you just can't have the deep insight and understanding that a domain expert can bring to the table. Uh, and I want to make it absolutely clear that I think the successful boards that want to bring on somebody as a board member are not gonna be the ones that go out and hire a cyber warrior sharpshooter or somebody who's a domain expert and speaks at conferences and things like that. Number one, they have to be a good board member, right? And so they have to have all the roles and responsibilities that a board member typically has. Um, they've got to have the breadth of experience in terms of understanding how companies grow, doing M&A, creating operating plans, uh, competitive response they've got to have the interpersonal relationships um, know what leadership is be ethical have integrity uh, understand negotiation and crisis management um, and they have to have served on committees before and I, I think uh, uh, you know there's audit and risk and compensation tend to be very the popular committees I hope to see technology and cybersecurity committees either be standalone or integrated and layered through the audit and risk committees they have right now. Once you have that, then you can start thinking, well, what type of person, knowing that they're going to be a good board member, no matter what, good contributing board member, do I want somebody who's a technical visionary? Do I want somebody who's an expert in compliance in my particular industry? Do I want somebody who's a proxy for a CISO or a complement to my existing CISO? Uh, do I want somebody who's been on the Hill pushing legislation and can get bills passed? Do I want that warrior who's been involved in nation state attacks as somebody on my board? Or do I want somebody who's just great at propagating it throughout an organization in terms of making it processes for all my people? Only then can you really start to figure out who do I want on my board or how do, who do I add to my board to make this effective? Yes, yes, absolutely. And they also, I mean, uh, have to define and decide what assets that they need to protect. Based on that, they would have to you know, come up with the proper uh, understanding of what kind of 
board of directors they want and uh, there is also another thing uh, when they when any corporation or any board of directors define strategy how involved our boards with you know companies executive or executive management strategy like how to go forward are only the executive management c level executives who are part of this or the board actively takes a you know participation in defining strategy of how to move forward in next 5 years next 10 years next 20 years i was going to show a graphic because we're going to talk about things uh like this i'll 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 just talk personally um remember one of the fundamental responsibilities of the board is to hire and fire the ceo um the board is the only entity that can do that um that's kind of a roundabout way of saying the board is heavily involved in a company's strategy and in fact it's one of the top 3 responsibilities helping oversee the setting and the execution of the strategy is one of the big responsibilities monitoring and auditing the performance of the executive team against that strategy is another leg of that stool so it brings up an interesting point um how much do you get involved and i would i would i will do a screen share here for a second and show um something that i think is pretty interesting there's a um i think kpmg has actually done an excellent job in terms of building what they believe is a cyber risk framework for boards and for their directors and it sort of hits on all the things that you would want it to right it's it hits on the legal and compliance issues it hits on the technology that's being deployed it hits in the it hits on crisis management um leadership and government human beings and processes and then information risk management not as silos but as this integrated process that companies have to look at cybersecurity with and i think this is an an excellent way to look at the overall problem what i think they also do a good job of is they make the distinction between board engagement and executive communications and by that i mean the board doesn't run the company the executives run the company the board provides guidance and there's only so much the board can do until they think about well the the people that we've got running this aren't the people that we want so we're going to have to think about a leadership change but these two diagrams here and i just picked information risk management and business continuity um as components of that overall cyber risk framework just to to help people understand you know boards sort of engage at an oversight and recommendation level and at a strategy level so their so their responsibility for example in information risk management is to understand the approach and how it ties to their business to understand what risk tolerance is to understand what role interconnected third parties play in this and to make sure that metrics that are being used are meaningful yeah. now it's up to the executive team to then go and they communicate that down to the executive team um the executive team then then does the implementation right they develop the approach uh uh they secure the assets they do risk assessment um they accredit third parties to be interconnected with them um and then they report the relative metrics now most boards don't want to see granular reports they just want to know what did you start with and what's working and what isn't so it's not like the ciso has to come in and say oh we had you know 3000 hacking attempts last month no it's it's what were the programs you put in place what's working what isn't if things need to change do you need money for it do you need people how do we make that happen 
Right, right. Now, those are the questions that they will have to come up with proper answer and put together a proper plan. And sometimes, you know, have an auditor come and look at their cybersecurity plan. But in spite of all that preparations, a board, you know, a board can have, you know, right talent on the board. Mm -hmm. They can have the right kind of, you know, plans in place and everything. They have an audit committee who come, independent committee come and take a look at that and, you know, make sure that, you know, all the plans are in place. But in spite of all these efforts, how do boards prepare for a security breach? And if the breach happens, how do they act? What steps do they take? You mean once a breach has actually happened? Yeah. Once a breach actually happens. Okay. Give me a second while I get back to my uh, my screen. So, so what happens after an attack? Um, I'd say there's a, a fairly discreet number of questions and types of questions that get answered. The list is probably about uh, 50 questions long, but I think they really, they really boil down to about six. Um, First of all, how do we find out? Did we know this internally or did we get told by somebody else who'd been compromised? Um, second, what was compromised? Was something stolen? Uh, do we just have people in our network doing infiltration? Uh, did our, our business systems go down? What was it that was actually compromised? Third is, we assume there's a crisis management plan in place, right? There's an incident response plan. Is it in action? Has it been kicked in? And is it working? Um, very quickly, it then gets to who needs to know? And by that, I mean disclosure. Are we in a situation where because of our SEC, FINRA, uh, consumer data restrictions, do we have to notify the public or do we have to notify our suppliers? And uh, I, I'll give credit to every board that I've been on and most boards that I talk to in that most people are doing it from a positive standpoint, meaning I want to know so I can comply, not I want to know so I can avoid whatever this is. Um, after that, it really becomes, okay, so what was it, what weakness, what vulnerability was it in our system that allowed this to happen and how do we fix it? And somewhere in this mix, depending on what kind of a board you have, the question is gonna get asked, was this an inside job? So that's kind of how boards look at post-breach activities. Mostly it's, have we put the proper controls in place? Are they working? And then how did this happen and how do we fix it? Yes, that those are the important questions. Now, there, there must be a defined communication flow or information flow between the executive management and the board of directors. What information about cybersecurity risk and cybersecurity breaches should directors expect to receive from the executive management? What kind of information they're looking for? Well, first of all, I think boards are looking for, for three things. They're looking for one, what is your plan at a high level? And why are you doing these things? And then board directors can sort of vet that against their own experiences, other board members and other companies and, and figure out, okay, these, you know, sounds like you got a hold of it or wait, you haven't thought about blockchain yet. You should think about blockchain. Um, second is, are the metrics you're using to track these appropriate and are they reportable and are they auditable and do they mean anything, right? They've got to mean something to affect the business in a positive way. So what kind of metrics are you using and what kind of value do they have to the organization? And then, you know, the third thing is what's working and what isn't. I know, I know I keep coming back to that, but, you know, the board doesn't 
board doesn't want to know the details. They want to know what's working and what isn't. And if you find something that isn't, then you might dig down into some metrics about why it isn't working and stuff like that. But you know, too often in board meetings of any kind, you'll have a uh, the VP of sales or the chief marketing officer or somebody stand up and start to give this very detailed presentation. And you're like, no, 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 just, just tell us what's working and what isn't. And what do you need to be successful? Same thing with cybersecurity. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, this is, I think, a very important question that I would like to ask you is that because you are on so many boards and you are investing in so many startups and so many companies and you are, have, have so many different kinds of positions, if you have the responsibility to define and shape your board, how would you go forward? What would that you know, structure look like? Huh. Well, so there's no one size fits all way to construct a board. Um, I think no matter what the company was, it goes without saying I would want somebody who is cyber intelligent on it, unless they're purely like, you know, making bricks and shipping them with trucks to a construction site. Um, but I think there's a couple different things that you look for in a board. Uh, one of them is you look for, um, boards are like family. Uh, you, you don't, hiring the wrong board member is an absolutely critical mistake. It, it takes forever to get rid of a bad one and it's often very ugly. Uh, so you want people that you are gonna intellectually, philosophically, and emotionally get along with. Um, second is you want people that are of same mind, but philosophically different enough to challenge and test everyone else on the board. Um, a Me Too board is of no use to anybody. Um, but I think the, and I, and I can just cite from specific experience that uh, I was on Silence's board of directors, very successful cybersecurity company. And they just had this fantastic, being on the board was just fantastic because you had people who were super good at one thing and they could just cut through all the noise and clutter and say, you know, let's not go for 200% growth. Let's go for 400% growth. And here's how you do it. So you're kind of looking for that. And it, you're looking for that wonderful mix of people who can do that. Um, the third thing is, and I'm gonna go back to the Boston Consulting Group's analysis, board members are gonna to need to be more and more engaged. And it doesn't mean doing the executive team's job. It means just more and more engaged with the market, with looking at futures, um, with looking at these big picture, big concept things like you're talking about with the MG structure, um, and really understanding what that means for their organization and then being able to very diplomatically push these initiatives down into the organization and make them a priority. So you've got to have people who are execution thinkers and then strategic thinkers and then big picture thinkers. So you'd want to have a nice blend of that in your board as well. Yes, no, I think that would be the right uh structure that would be the right makeup now if you have to educate i mean as you and i both know there are a lot of board of directors who are not aware about a lot of you know cybersecurities. what would you tell them if you want to tell them to educate themselves what would be that one single most important thing you would tell them uh the one single thing i would tell them and i if you'll excuse me i've got to, i'm going to try and share the screen with you um is that there are a lot of resources out there to, to become intelligent about this. And uh, um, one of them is there's two organizations, the National Association of Corporate Directors and the American College of Corporate Directors that both have very active educational 
training, and even accreditation courses that they offer. Um, they're all very high quality. Um, some of the handbooks and things they put out are, are just a, extremely high quality. They're short reads. They're, they're geared towards a board member's mentality. Um, surprisingly, some of the recruiters who recruit for boards have also come out with some excellent analysis. Um, Corn Ferry and Spencer Stewart are two organizations that have put out just some fantastic uh, publications around what cybersecurity means to a board. And again, they're not technical documents. They're how do you become a good cyber intelligent board member? And that's absolutely key because we, you know, board members, we run our own companies, we sit on multiple boards, we don't have a lot of time. So things have to be couched in a way that are meaningful for us. Um, the third is, and I think I have to shift screens here for a second, so bear with me. Um, there are actually organizations that will, hold on one second, I might be sharing you. Um, so going back to this, uh, there are organizations like uh, Black Ops Partners. And uh, Black Ops Partners is uh, an organization, I think they're actually in your, in your turf. I think they're in Houston, um, but let me, they actually advise boards on how to deal with cybersecurity. And they do a lot of workshops and they do a lot of you know, hands-on. Let's come in and let's do a lunch and learn with your board. Let's do an all-day session. Let's do a three-day workshop. Um, I think these are often extremely effective because they're so targeted. Now, NACD and ACCD will also do these training sessions for, for companies as well. Um, but it was, it was interesting um, at the NACD events I've gone to, just the amount of information sharing and, and peer sharing that goes on just at these events that happen where people pick up just fantastic things. And, you know, I had 250 people walk away from a speech knowing what blockchain and quantum computing, quantum computing and a couple of other very obscure technical things were. And I said, go back to your technical teams and ask them what they're doing about this. Great, great. So, you know, organizations, specific consulting groups, and then peer education. Wonderful. So, uh, Thomas, you are a very busy man. You are uh, tied up at, on so many different levels at so many different you know, entities and so many different roles. But in spite of all that, you took time to come and you know, share your insight, your thoughts and wisdom about uh, how the board should uh, approach cybersecurity and uh, what should be you know, on their radar and what they should be looking at, what, should they, what they should be preparing for. So I'm sure that uh, from our very vast, you know, global uh, viewers and listeners, out of them, you know, a lot of them are board of directors, a lot of them are C-level executive management. I'm sure they will benefit tremendously from what uh, we discussed today, what you had to say today. So thank you so much for that, Thomas. Thank you very much, Jayshree. Wonderful. So now, as the frequency and severity of cyber attacks against global corporations continue to escalate, Corporations, their boards, and investors are coming to terms with the grim reality that cybersecurity breaches are inevitable, and it is no longer a matter of if they will be breached, but when. Investors are looking to boards for leadership in addressing the cybersecurity risk and mitigating the damage associated with cyber incidents, while CSOs, that means uh, chief security officers, chief risk officers, and chief information security officers, 
work towards managing information security, data security, and network security risk. It is up to the boards to focus on the strategic security risk if they don't have a uh, you know strategic security uh, risk officer or strategic someone focusing entirely on strategic security risk then they need to be looking into strategic security risk brought on due to cyberspace and the rapidly changing technological fundamentals as cybersecurity is slowly but steadily becoming an integral component of a board's role in risk oversight corporations that are able to balance and manage not only independent corporate risk but also interconnected and interdependent risk that transcends their corporate boundaries will move ahead of competitors that cannot. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, in government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.